Well, tonight, I don't know who knows what day it is. Anyone know what that? No, that was, that was the beginning. Yom Kippur. So at sunset over in Jerusalem, about six, seven hours ago, was the start of their holiest day, the, the sixth appointment, the sixth feast, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. And so we're going to look at that tonight because um, there was a reason why it was the, the, the most revered of all the feasts was because they, they understood it was on that day that they had um, atonement, at one month with God. So we're going to look at that. I know we've gone over that before, but every time I teach that, it really blesses me. Amen. To think that there is going to be a final at one month. You know, no separation even in the flesh from, from God and His presence. Amen. Our focus verse tonight is taken from Leviticus 16 and verse 21. Leviticus 16 verse 21, it says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all. On Sunday, I talked about that. Remember I used that word, all? This was the symbolic uh, ceremony that God gave the Jews in the Old Testament to represent the same taking away of sins. Amen. And all Israel would be gathered in front of the tabernacle and in front of the temple and wait for the high priest to go in and to have his, the sacrifice accepted. We're going to look at that in detail tonight. And the ceremony is a very strange ceremony compared to all the others. They were given to choose two goats, two young goats, kids of the goats. And one was going to be let go after the priest put his hand on him and prayed that all the sins of Israel would be on that goat. And he would be taken away, far away. And the other goat was killed and his blood was taken for the first time in the year all the way into the Ark of the Covenant. And it all goes back from the fact of when Adam and Eve sinned, right? When they sinned, they lost that spirit covering. Remember that the name of this feast is the coverings. The coverings. And that is what we have to get back is the coverings. Amen. Because when we are, when we are born again, we, the Bible says our soul is sealed. But we are still dealing with this flesh. The last part that we're waiting for is the final change of this flesh. Amen. When God gives us a new covering. Amen. Well, as you know, it started in the Old Testament when God first created man. He was a three-part being, a body, a soul, and a spirit covering, which is what made him a son of God. After he sinned, of course, the covering died. God withdrew his spirit and man just became a body and soul. In, in Genesis, it speaks about, and Adam had a son after his own image. He no longer was a son of God, though, became a son of man. And so Jesus came to restore that covering and to give us back the, the relationship with Almighty God. You see, when man sinned, there were, there were two transactions that happened. Two things happened. Uh, number one, they broke a spiritual law. They trespassed against God. Number two they forfeited or lost dominion. I really believe that a son of God has dominion. A son of God should have dominion. Sin should not have dominion. 
We should have dominion. Amen. And so they forfeit dominion in three areas. They lost control of the earth. They lost control of the, the animals. And they lost control, of course, over the flesh. That's what the Bible tells us happened to, to Adam and Eve. They, they lost control. They, they no longer were able to, to function as kings and priests, but they ended up just as sons of men. They lost dominion over the animals and all living creatures because the animals became wild. They became not subject anymore. When Adam first was created, he was able to command the animals to, to come and God allowed him to name them. Amen. And so the most important thing that we lost was control and ownership of our earthly bodies. Paul in Romans 7 points that out. He says, it's not subject to the law of God. And he says, neither can it be. Amen. We cannot make ourselves good. We cannot make ourselves good. Only God's power. That's what we taught on, 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 uh, on Sunday morning about being crucified with Christ. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can make us and sanctify us good. So that was the most important thing they lost was control over the flesh. Now that doesn't mean that we give up and we say anything goes. No. Paul said, shall we sin that grace abounds? No. No, that's not what we're called to do. We've got to fight. We've got to die daily is what the scripture says. So Paul is saying that body is dead because of sin. In Romans 7.23, he says, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's why every year they had to do this ceremony. Every time they sinned, they had to bring a sin offering. It was a continual thing that they had to do. It could never permanently make them perfect. Or else, as the scripture in Hebrews says, they wouldn't have had to keep doing it. If something is effective, you only have to do it one time. Right? Sometimes they give lifetime warranties. Of course, it's not really lifetime. Now, you soon find after 10 or 15 years, you got to be fixing it. It was only something they said to get you to buy it. Oh, we give you this lifetime warranty. Now, you would think you don't have to touch it again. Right? But normally, it's not going to be your lifetime for sure. It's going to be less than that. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Sin brought in all these things plus guilt. And probably, I don't know, that's probably the worst thing is guilt because it, 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 if it's not godly sorrow, it drives people away. They run away from God. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself, that's Jesus Christ, likewise partook of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Because of sin, God had to allow this body to die. Amen. I said many maybe several years ago now, that I, I, it's only when I realized that it was God's plan that we die. You know, that sounds kind of harsh. But God understood that this body is not capable of reformation. He had to let it die, else we would be permanently trapped in a, in a vessel of which we don't have total control, you know. Paul goes on in, in, in 7 and 8 to explain that when he wants to do good, 
evil presents himself. And you all can, you, you can all relate to that. You get up, you just have a beautiful thought on your mind, you're going to have a triumphant day, and then the first negative phone call comes, or the first person looks at you cross-eyed or says something, and just wants to take your peace, and just take away your joy. You know? That's why we have these emotions, because, and they're not always under our control. It's sad to say. But Jesus came to restore our sonship, to bring back the covering. So in 1 Peter 2.11, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Right? As I've said before, we may not be able to uh, always stop ourselves, but we should remove ourselves as far as we can from things of temptation. Do not put yourself in a position of temptation, right? If you know you have a problem with some things... Go far from that thing. Amen. We may not be able to always control it, but we can abstain from putting ourselves in a place of temptation. And the reason why this is, is because when Adam and Eve obeyed Satan, they gave up dominion to this flesh. The, the, the scripture says, to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are. The moment they did what he said, they became in the flesh his servants. That's why he brought the same temptation to Jesus, right? Do something for me. If Jesus had obeyed and made it himself sub subject to Satan's command, he too in the flesh would have lost the meaning, if it had been possible. But it was not possible, amen. He knew how to use the, the very weapons that he has given us. He said, it is written, the word. That's how you fight the devil with the word, not with your fists, not with your will, Amen. But with the word. Hallelujah. With the word. So the body belongs to Satan. The Bible in the Old Testament, David said, In sin did my mother conceive me. Now he didn't necessarily mean, although some people misinterpret it, that he was illegit Ill illegitimate. No, I don't believe that's what he was saying. He was saying we're all born with a, 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 a predilection, to use a big word, to sin. You know, it's not long before you see the baby start to do stuff you don't want them to do. And they know not to do it too. They're looking at you and they're still doing it. And you're saying no and they stop and then they look to see if you're looking and they, they're going to look to see what you're going to do about it. It's our sin nature. See, that's what God determined as soon as Noah came out of the ark and he burned the offering. He said for a man's uh, heart is what? Yeah, from his youth. From his youth. Amen. So we need a God to deliver us. We need a new covering. We need the spirit to take control. Amen. So of all of the threefold nature that was left, the only thing that really was still ours was our soul. That's why when we get the Holy Spirit today, the Bible says in Ephesians that your soul is sealed. Because that's what the devil wants. He already has the capacity over your body, right? And that's why we go down into the baptismal tank to represent the death and burial of the old man. But what he really wants is your soul. That's the part that is still belongs to God. It's still under your control. That's why in Romans 7.22, he says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Right? I've always said we, in our intents, we should always be wanting to do the right thing. 
We should always get up with the right intention. I'm going to worship you today, God. I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to witness. I'm going to pray. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to lift someone up. That should be our intent. Amen. And that's what the devil wants to kill. The battle today is for your mind and your soul. Amen. He, he doesn't care too much about the body anymore. He wants your soul. Amen. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. That's where we need strength today. Several people this week talked to me about praying for inner strength. And that's what we need. Amen. Because the attack is on our thoughts. The attack is on our mind. The attack is on our will. That's what Satan wants. He wants to come in and to take our mind under his dominion. The body does belong to Satan. Because if you remember in the garden, he told the snake, dust you shall eat. And to the man he said, dust you're going to become. So he can have this body. As long as I've got a better one coming, amen, he can have this body. Hallelujah. He can have this body. And this is what is modeled in the atonement ceremony, is the final part of this great mystery that God set up. Amen. In Romans 8, 7, he says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. When it says carnal, it means fleshly. Fleshly. In our fleshly minds, if, we, if we, our fleshly minds are geared all about me, I and myself. That's what my mind is geared uh, to. You can always tell what someone's going to do in most instances. Just think of what pleases them. That's how the choice is going to come out, right? What's in it for them? What's in it for me? Isn't that the question people ask? What's in it for me? Because the carnal mind is enmity, means it's hatred against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That means if you're going to think just about carnal things, you will never be able to please God or fulfill His will. If that's all your mind is full of, is daily grind and grind and work and stuff, you will find yourself not pleasing God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But he's speaking here to to the church. So he says, but you, ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, if so be, that the spirit of God dwell in you. And that's why it's so important to seek the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because if you do that, it's our comforter, right? It's our help meet. It's our little voice when we're going astray. Amen? And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we are really dead men walking. That's what we are, dead men walking. But my soul, amen, is sealed. See, verse 11 goes on to say, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell, if that quickening Spirit dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that means make alive, your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. We should owe the flesh nothing. We shouldn't try and pay the flesh. We shouldn't try and go out of our way to please the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you do that consistently, if, you, if that's all you do is lift, live after the flesh, then we are going to die. But if he through the Spirit do kill or mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And then, of course, this very famous verse we always quote, For as many as are led 
by the Spirit of God, they are what? The sons of God. That's what he has called us to be, sons of God. So disobedience of Adam and Eve brought death. And disobedience always does. Sister Mary, uh, wait a minute. He's going to come and bring you a, a microphone there so that you can, we can hear your question. Amen. I was questioning uh, verse 11 um, of Romans 8. Okay. But if it says that we know, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, well, and you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. So I was questioning the wording of mortal bodies. Mortal means that it is subject to death. So that means it's not a, the reason why we have to be raised up is because it is going to die. You live long enough, you will die. Right? You will die. Mortal just means that it is, it is um, finite. We don't have infinite bodies. It is going to die. The moment you're born, you're on a journey to death. And so what it's speaking is that it will change the body from mortal. In another scripture it says, this mortal must put on immortality. So that's what he's speaking about. He continues to, in the Bible to point out that it was disobedience that brought death of the spirit, which is where we lost our immortality. There was no expiration date on Adam when he was created. You know, you ever been in the fridge and you pull out the milk and you look at it, you make sure that it's the right date, you know. Nothing worse than drinking it and then, then you taste it and you find out it's expired. But there was no expiration date on Adam and Eve when they were created. It was sin that led to death that created that expiration date. So the death of the spirit was immediate. Because God had told him, the day you eat thereof, you shall what? Surely die. And the death was immediate. It was separation from God, which is death. But it was also the, the lifting of his spirit, which also meant physical death. The physical death was delayed through God's mercy, so it still took years and years for them to die. But in the end, it says they died. Genesis 5 is just a list of death. And Adam begat um, Cain, and uh, sorry, Abel, and he lived 105 years and had son. Then he died, and it just goes on and on. Because as he says in Romans, through one man's sin, death entered into the world and then Death reigned, even over those who had not sinned in the similitude of Adam's sin. So the death of the soul would have been the next thing. The death of the flesh in the physical and then the death of the soul would have happened in hell. But God was so merciful because when he found them naked, what did he do? He provided a temporary covering. The Bible said he made coats out of skins. And the implication is that there was an animal that gave up his life. Because he had gone into his season of rest, he was not creating anything out of nothing anymore. So he had to use what was there, which was the animals he created. He didn't want to do that, but it was the only way to temporarily provide a covering for the soul at death. See, God did not want to save this body. I don't want to save this body. I want a new one. This one is past age now. This one is past When I go into work, I'm usually the oldest person there. That's scary. 
They don't know how old I am, but I know how old I am. And I know I'm the oldest person there. Amen. Amen. God is so merciful. Genesis 3.22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now, knowing good and evil is not the problem. But being able to avoid the evil and only do the good, that was the problem. Man lost the ability, even though he knew the judgment, to only do the one over the other. So God had to let this body die. He says, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat forever. So he had to put the man out of the garden for two reasons. One, if we came into his presence, we would die because we had no covering. It's like someone without an immune system. You know what they have to do with them? They have to put them in a bubble. People who have a very poor immune system, they can't come into contact with other people because they have no internal covering. If they come into contact with other people, they will get a, a disease and die because they have no resistance. That's the exact um, example that God had to put us out the garden because we lost that spirit covering that enabled us to come into intimacy with him. And the second reason is he did not want us to stay trapped in this body where we are like a baby that has no control. Amen. Romans 8.10 says the body is dead because of sin. Another scripture says you should reckon yourselves dead. Um, and I think it's such a, uh, for me anyway, not for everybody, but for me, it's such a tricky thing to imagine myself dead. But that's what you got to do. You got to count this thing dead. And if it's truly dead, you know, you know it's dead because you can kick a dead body. You can spit on a dead body. You can poke a dead body. It's not going to react. So you know how dead your body is by how much you, you, you react and want to, you know, put them up and cuss them out or whatever you want to do. Then you know it's not dead enough yet. But that's where we are going to, where we count this as dead. Romans 7, 18, for I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, he said, dwelleth no good thing. For to will, that means I want to do good. When I understand what God wants and, and his love for me, I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. You cannot do it of yourself. I was talking to someone this week who was going through some things, and I said, well, actually more than one person, I, and I was trying to tell him, you can't do it of yourself. It's impossible. You know, and they don't understand, they don't understand why they're not able to do it. And I said, well, because you're flesh. Paul came to this conclusion. He said in Romans 7, 24, Oh, wretched man. He called himself a wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Well, of course, the story doesn't end there. He goes into Romans 8 and he says, But through the law of the spirit of life hath made me free. How did it make us free? We didn't physically change. But through baptism, God just wiped the slate. He says, you're clean. And every whit made whole. And I'm going to seal your soul. Yes, your body is walking around with still got problems, got issues. But I'm going to give you a new one. Reckon it dead. It's just a temporary vessel. It's just a temporary vessel. Call it dead. Yes, it's got some sins on it. Yes, it's got some sins on it. But reckon it dead because it's going to go. See, the ceremony began with Jesus. But it's coming to an end soon. When we get the full benefit of that atonement. Amen. So the body needs to die. And that's what in Genesis 3.19 we see. 
And he cursed it and he said this, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art and dust thou shalt return. It was a revelation when I realized why he did that. Because that's what the serpent wanted. He wanted that body so bad. So God giving it back to him, but only as dust. <laughs> Amen. He says to the serpent, dust is all you're going to eat. You wanted to cheat them out of their inheritance. You wanted to take away my children's um, food, so to speak. All right, well, you can have the old body because I'm, I'm going to go away and prepare something so much better on another level. Amen. Romans 6, for therefore we are buried with him by baptism. That symbolizes the death. Unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And this is the hard part because Satan will keep on talking to us and say, well, you still got that, that old sinful body on. You're no good. And of a truth, that's true. But you know what? God also says, count those things that are not as though they'll be. And let me declare you perfect. Let me declare you perfect. Let me say that I love you. Let me say that as far as I'm concerned, you're still my son. And, 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 and the, the, the conclusion of the ceremony is coming. I'm, I'm preparing the robe for you, the ultimate covering. And just declare, let me declare you perfect. All you have to do, and I said this song, is walk. Walk before me. Let me declare you perfect. It says so that we should do what? Walk in newness of life. Amen. So the first covering was the, was the word of God. We know he breathed. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, which was the word. Remember, that's the only way we're going to live, by the, the word. That's why he came to Satan. Satan came to Jesus in Luke and said, turn this into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the spirit in the spiritual, when it is manifest in the physical, it, as I've taught before, always manifests as the word. In John, it says, and the word became flesh. The breath, the word, the, the spoken word, the written word. And of course, it's all still the one word. Incarnated and formed when Jesus, God, became flesh. Amen. And that's what makes us a son of God. When the word gets incarnated in us. Isn't that what he said? If my word abide in you, and you abide in me, then you can be like the Son. Jesus, before he raised Lazarus, says, I know that anything I ask you, you're going to do. Why? Because he was the Son, the incarnated Word. It's only when we are the incarnated Word can we ask anything, and it's going to be. To the degree that we let the Word incarnate in us, that's how much we're going to get a response. But when you are the Word itself, there is no resisting that, because that's how God creates. Any creation was by let it be. Let it be. Amen. So scripture tells us, told us that the body needed to die. Amen. And so the dust had to return to the earth. Now the reason for this body dying was so that the soul could be released. If we were walking around eternally with these bodies, then our soul would be trapped in a body we don't really totally control. Hebrews 2.7. And it's, it's just awesome how the, 
Old Testament, the, the saying says, conceals Jesus. In the New Testament, he's revealed. In Hebrews 2, 7, the writer of Hebrews re- gives us a revelation on the prophecy in Psalms 8. He says, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. You know who it's speaking about? Jesus. In Psalms 8, it says, what is man that thou, what? The son of man, or in, in, the, in the Hebrew, it says Adam, the son of Adam, that thou, what? Visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Now, that same verse is being quoted in the New Testament. And the revelation now of why we were made lower and where we were made lower from is given. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor. Thou didst set him over the works of thy hands. Adam was set over the works of God's hands. And the reason why he was made lower than the angels was after he sinned. And the reason that happened was so that he could die. Thou hast put all things, now it's speaking also of Jesus, the second son. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is put under him. That's why he is both Lord and, and God. Thomas, when he saw him, he said, you're, you're Lord and God. But now we see not yet all things put under him. We don't see it yet. We don't see the fulfillment. Well, if I'm a son of God, why are things the way they are? Well, because he has not taken up his kingdom right to rule yet. As we said in Sunday school, there's coming a day though when that angel puts one foot on the sand, one foot on the sea, and he says, let there be no more delay. Let the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Christ and he shall rule and reign. So in verse 9, the revelation comes, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. And now he gives the reason. The same reason Adam was made lower. For the suffering of death. Because he was our first fruits. He, he came to show us the way God was going to bring us back into relationship with him. He, he did it for us. He was our forerunner. In the Old Testament, God set up so many little breadcrumbs and so, little, so many little examples to model his plan of salvation. When they came up to the last river to cross over into Canaan, you know what happened this time? The ark went before. The distance was 2,000 cubits. And the people were told they have to stand back 2,000 cubits and watch the ark because they have not been this way before. The ark crossed over first. Jesus said, I'm going away first. That w- Where I'm going, you, you will follow later. You understand how he set up the symbol of the ark going over first, the representation of God going off, crossing over first. This was then fulfilled literally when Jesus died. And then now coming up to 2,000 years later, we're about to follow. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. And verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory. That's why it says now, blessed are the dead in Christ from henceforth. I know we don't like losing people and I don't either, but do you, know, do you understand it says blessed? Because since he died, there's only one place uh, righteous people can go. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. So we now we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor and that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Amen. So the plan from eternity was in Daniel, and I quoted this last Tuesday, the six things that God said to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, and to atone 
for sin. The reconciliation for iniquity. And then to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. And that's all found in Daniel chapter 9, where he, he de- gives the full prophecy of what God was going to say. So again, Romans 6, 5 says, If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's why we have to be planted exactly in the likeness of his death. That means sprinkling won't do. Jesus was not sprinkled. He was put in totally. That's why he went to the river Jordan. The Ethiopian um, eunuch was not sprinkled. He said, here is much water. He went down into the water. That's why we have to be planted in the likeness of his death to make it valid so that we can also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, and this was our theme verse for this month, that our old man is crucified. Say the old man. And old woman, if, it, if that's you. is <laughs> crucified. It's crucified. That means we are walking dead. Reckon this body dead. That means there's nothing Satan can pin on it. It's already dead. But through the grace of, of Christ, through the mercy of, of God, there is nothing he can pin on this. You can't throw any sins on me because this body is dead. Right? Dead person does not react. Look at verse 7. For he that is dead is freed. Let's say freed. freed. Now the question is, most of us don't believe that. We let the devil come and, and, and dig up the old man. Dead, he digs him up and brings him back. For he that is dead. When you went down in that baptismal pool, according to God, your sins went with you. It's dead. Freed from sins. Now if we'd be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more. No more, no more dominion over him. See, the first man, Adam, had this spirit of God covering. And when he lost it, of course, you saw that they went and hid. And so God had to come up with a temporary covering. And God had a problem because he had entered his Sabbath of rest. In, in uh, Genesis chapter uh, 131 and Genesis chapter 2.1, it said that God ended from all his creative works. And that word in the first chapter is bara and it means creation out of nothing so he couldn't just make a new spirit covering he would be breaking his word he had to make a temporary covering and so in leviticus chapter 17 11 here becomes god's formalized plan temporary plan he says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and actually in the hebrew it, it's not flesh it's nephesh the, the life of the soul is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement, a covering, in other words, for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Amen. And so that was the start of the animal sacrifices. It wasn't that God wanted to be killing animals, but it was a temporary thing to cover the soul, not while you were alive, because when you're alive, where is your soul? It's inside of you. In fact, here's the revelation. It's actually, according to this, it's in your blood. It's in your blood. That's why, that's why there were so many uh, prohibitions about messing with blood. 
Instead of being in your brain or in your heart, according to this it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. In other words, that's where your soul is. It's in the blood. And that's one of the reasons I think they can't make artificial blood. Do you know that? They have tried and tried and tried. They can make little parts of it. They can make the plasma. They can make... That's why you still have to give blood donations. Because they cannot duplicate blood. They've been able to duplicate all kinds of tissues. They can make, they can even duplicate stem cells. But they cannot make artificial blood. Isn't that something? You see, God had to substitute the covering that he had given, which in the, the word for covering and the word for light is the same uh, pronunciation in Hebrew, or. Isn't that some? What it's showing is that originally our covering was the Shekinah glory of God. And once again, our covering will be the Shekinah glory of God. That's what Jesus showed on the Mount of Transfiguration. He unrobed a little bit and it was so white and blinding that they had to cover their eyes. See, the Bible says when we see him, we're going to be like him. Amen. So that is what we're going to be covered with. In him was life. In John 1.4. The life was the light of men. I believe we did not used to have blood. That's my personal theory. I believe Adam and Eve were powered by the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I say so, when Jesus arose and he went to Thomas, he said, he didn't say flesh and blood. He said flesh and bones. He never said flesh and blood. Because all the blood had come out. When he was on the cross, what did they do? Put a spear and outflowed what? Blood and water. He was not powered by blood, but he was powered, which we are going to be, by the Spirit, the Shekinah glory. That's why it'll make us immortal. Brother Joe's got a question. While he's coming, I'm going to read it. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Amen. Brother Joe. So, Pastor, in a sense, when you think about it, the blood would be the covering because it would be a, our whole body is covered with blood. So wouldn't that be the internal covering? The, the, blood, the blood that we are covered with now is, is temporary. It's temporary, yes. We are covered by the blood. And that's, what, that's what Jesus had to give to release all the righteous dead. Because whatever part of the body don't receive blood, it dies. That's right, absolutely. But at the atonement ceremony, we get a brand new body. A new, we go back to being like Adam was before he sinned. Listen to what Jesus says, and this is the revelation. Read it with now the understanding that we are empowered by the Shekinah glory. Then spake Jesus unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light. And really what he's speaking about is of eternal life. Eternal life. You see, the thing about blood also is that it corrupts. In the Old Testament, blood corrupted, it defiled Because it was sinful blood. Right? It was sinful blood. That's why our blood was not good enough to save us. So the fallen Adam had a covering before he fell of light. In him was light. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. If you you read it with the understanding of what I'm trying to say to you, Adam and Eve were empowered by the glory of God, the Spirit of God, and that's why they were immortal. That's what they lost, and God had to give, replace that once they sinned with what we call blood today. Amen. So, in the tabernacle, we see God modeling the different coverings, right? 
he, he gave them the tabernacle to model the covering because the tabernacle is a model of our bodies, remember? He says, know ye not that you are what? The temple. So the covering that was modeled in the tabernacles is to model what the God's plan for the covering is today. First, Second Corinthians 5.1 For we know that if our earthly house, point to yourself, this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. We have a building. This is only the tent. You understand this? Because we're on the journey from Egypt to Canaan. When they were journeying, they only had tents. This is not the building. The glory of this is not to be compared to the glory of the one we're going to get. Do you understand? This is just the tent. Now, it can be a really fancy tent, but it's still not going to compare to the building. A tent is temporary. You understand that this is why God modeled this. Because it symbolized the journey from Egypt, which is sin, to Canaan, the promised land. They were not to build anything because it was a journey. We're not to try and put down roots here. This is a journey. And this is but a tent. We're going to get the building. He said, do not be afraid, right? If you believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Because I'm going away to prepare a place in my father's house. Not tents, not tents, but mansions. Gonna have to hurry. Amen. So, in the Old Testament, God gave all of these models, and He even said that's what He was doing in Hosea chapter 12, verse 10. He says, I have spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes. That means models, likenesses. So, to make the people understand, instead of writing a book, He gave them these ceremonies and things to build that were models and representations of his fulfillment. In Exodus 25, 8, he tells them, let them make me a sanctuary that may dwell among them. So they made this temporary tent. But that's all it was, a temporary tent. Right now, God is dwelling in us in a temporary tent. But this is not the final place that he wants. He's gone to prepare a mansion. Hallelujah. It's just temporary. The tabernacle was just temporary. It was a wilderness journey experience. That's what we're in right now. We're in the wilderness journey body. You know, in five days time, we'll come to the final feast. And that one commemorates this very thing. It's called Sukkot. It's when they dwelt in temporary booths. And during the feast of Sukkot, uh, religious Jews, they, they go and they make booths outside in their yard and they're supposed to be able to sleep. And they have holes, deliberately have holes. Because it's only temporary. You understand that this is temporary? It's a season. You're not going to be here permanently. So it was built, the tabernacle, to represent our bodies. The outer court. That's the flesh, right? With the brazen altar and the brazen laver. Then the holy place with the bread of his presence and the golden altar and the golden candlesticks. And then, of course, the holy of holies. And what that represents, of course, is the body the soul, and the spirit. And that's why in Revelation it says, don't even measure the outer court. It's given over. Don't even, don't even start to worry about this thing. If you are filled with the spirit, don't worry about this thing. He's got so much, something so much better. See? And he told them how to cover it to represent what he was doing. And when you read about the coverings, you begin to see it wasn't just coverings, it was symbolic. 
It was symbolic. First of all, the outer covering was the goat, sorry, was the uh, waterproof um, dolphin skin that they put, or, or, um, and it represents the flesh. The next covering, which you couldn't see, they, they were told to, to dye the ram skin red. Now, you couldn't see it. Not when the covering, you couldn't see it. But it represents really the blood, the atonement that covers. Then the next skin, the goats here, because the goat was the sacrifice, represents the sacrifice. And then the final one was the embroidered linen re- representing his righteousness. Amen. You see how God told him to do this, to represent, really, all of this speaks to us. This flesh is the outer covering. You know, it doesn't really matter that much. But you have to have the inner covered by the blood. In Hebrews said, having your conscience sprinkled by the blood. Amen. And then the Bible says, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. And then inside, if you're filled with the Spirit, you have the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's what the coverings were about. The daily sacrifice that they did every day was the covering for sins of the flesh. The Passover, which was the first of the feasts, was for the redemption and the covering for those that already died from hell because that's where he went. Amen? So Passover was really for those who had already died because the Bible says when he arose, he led captivity captive. And then Pentecost is the covering of the soul by the Spirit. Amen? That's for the church. And then finally, the redemption. That's what you were created for, for you, for you to be the residence of God's glory. That's what God created you to be, so he could look on you and be proud. Because we are truly his children. We're truly his, he called Jesus, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. In the New Testament, John says he calls the church the beloved. Calls us the church of the firstborn. Amen. As I said, it was either a badger skin or a dolphin skin for covering the outside. And the red ramskin, again, for covering of the inner, the soul, and the two pieces of goat here for separation of the body. And then the fine linen was the righteousness of Christ. And I'm, I'm going too fast because I'm trying to get done. Amen. So we are now in this temporary tent. Listen to what um, it says in Acts 15, 16, when they were deciding the message to preach to the Gentiles. The scripture says that after this I will return and will build again. The tabernacle of David. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about the Holy Spirit experience. He said, I will return again and build a tabernacle of David. Meaning that we are on this journey now spiritually from Egypt to spiritual Canaan. Which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. Because they were now under the law, right? They had been under the law. And, and so then they went into Canaan, they built the physical temple. But then Nebuchadnezzar came and tore it all down. And the ark disappeared. But what Jesus is saying then is when he comes in the spirit form, he was going to fill our tabernacle. I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will raise it up. This outer flesh counts for nothing. Revelation 11.2 says... But the court which is without the temple, leave out, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, the holy city shall they tread under 44 and 2 months. So the, 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 from going from the tabernacle to the temple represents the next stage. The next, and I'm going to have to skip some of this.
I'm going to have to skip something because I want to get to, to where I'm going here. So the temple was built for his glory to permanently dwell in, right? It was no more, pack it up, we got to move. Okay, tear it down, we're on the move. No, it was the permanent dwelling place. And when we talked about a, a few Bible studies ago, Solomon, when he consecrated it, right? And how the glory of God came down so that they, they couldn't even minister. It filled the temple. The priests could not even come close. That's what we want, for the glory of God to just fill us so completely. Satan can't come close. Amen. He just has to leave us alone. Amen. And we can be that way if we are walking in the Spirit. And that's simply walking and meditating in the Word of God. Amen. And we read this before how Solomon prayed and the answer which came in in 2 Chronicles 14.7. And then we come to the final part that I'm trying to get through tonight, which is the actual atonement ceremony. And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, so we started in Nisan, which was Passover, seven months now, uh, we're in Tishri, on the tenth day of the month. Remember, ten days ago it was Rosh Hashanah. And so now we're, uh, this evening at sunset was the beginning of Yom Kippur. They will celebrate it fully tomorrow, but it started at sunset in, in Israel and uh, around the world at sunset. So on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls. That means it, there was a fast. And do no work at all. It was treated just as a Sabbath. And do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country, so that nobody was to work, whether you had a servant or a, a stranger, nobody was to work. It was to be treated, the Day of Atonement was to be treated just like it was a Sabbath. Uh, or the stranger that sojourneth with you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement... For you to cleanse you that he may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you and he shall afflict your souls by statute forever. By afflict it means that they were to fast. <laughs> well I'm laughing is because I'm, I'm going to explain. I'm taking a Hebrew course and uh, the teacher is, from, is, is actually in Israel. And so uh, we, had to have a, uh, we had to have a vacation uh, because of... Uh, Rosh Hashanah, and also because of um, all of these three feasts. And so she said, she said to me last night, she was saying, you've got to wish me a happy, a happy uh, Yom Kippurim because I've got to go afflict my soul. <laughs> she's, got to, she's got to go fast today. So uh, that was kind of funny. I, I didn't even remember the fact that it was also a Sabbath for the Jews, so they have to fast, they have to abstain from... Um, all kinds of uh, relationships and everything like that. But God gave them this to symbolize the covering that he was going to give to us. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel. Now, who was Aaron? Yes, but who was he? What was his role? Not just priest. He was the high priest. So the high priest would declare the sins on the goat, right? The high priest's job was to declare all the sins of Israel on the goat. And then that goat was taken as far away as they could go. What that symbolized, that all the sins of Israel was gone out of the camp. They were all clean ceremonially before God. That's what that meant. When the high priest did that on the one goat, it was led out and taken far, as far away from the camp. They would never want to see that goat come back. 
We never want to see our goat come back. He was taken far, far out, really to die is what it, it comes to. I'm going to skip some of this because I want to, I want to go to, to show you something here. And uh, then we will, we, will, uh, we will stop at this point. Uh, I want to show you, and maybe I didn't put it in here. I thought I had. Okay. So here's the fulfillment, the literal fulfillment now. John 11:49. Remember the high priest Aaron was to lay his hand on the goat and declare all the sins. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest, that same year said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the, that the whole nation perish not. Verse 51 is the key verse. It says, And he spake this, not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. The Holy Spirit made him say this, so as to designate Jesus our scapegoat, on which all the sins, not of just the Jews, but all the sins of the world should be put. And that was the beginning of the literal ceremony. Because the ceremony lasted all day. So first, as I said before, he would have to kill the bull first and then come and then he would start this ceremony. And he would each time, before, every time he went, he had to change his clothes and be baptized. He had to baptize himself. So now, after he did this, he would, the goat would be sent out. Then the other goat would be killed. Jesus fulfilled both. He was both our scapegoat, amen, and he was also the, the goat that was sacrificed. And he spake this, not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. And then verse 52. And not for the nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Amen. You can stand. Isaiah 53.10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. So we saw the beginning of that ceremony 2,000 years ago. The end of that ceremony is any day now. I said the heavenly closing ceremony. John got to witness a preview. And he says, after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard as it were a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And of course, what, what he sees is the lamb, the goat that was slain. The closing of the ceremony that took away the sins of the world. Here it says, John 1, 29, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It's for us to believe that Jesus has forgiven us and that this is a dead man walking. Satan cannot put anything this body did on my soul because it's sealed. According to Ephesians 6, my soul is sealed. And one day, that soul is going to be put in a new body. Amen. Amen. This tent is going to dissolve and we're going to get that heavenly mansion. Amen. The glorified body. See, we get to see that closing ceremony. We didn't get to witness the opening part when Jesus was killed. But we all get to witness the closing ceremony. Amen. And we can see the, in the Old Testament the clues where that blood was brought in all the way. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. That's why Jesus was only 
crucified the one time. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. Hebrews 9, 12, and I'm, I'm closing. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. And I like this. Having obtained a temporary, partial, uh, a monthly, weekly, what does it say? Does it say eternal? Did I read it right? Eternal. How long is eternal? Eternal. You need to kick Satan. Tell him, go away. Kick him because you can't touch me, as MC Hammer used to say. (laughs) You can't touch me. First of all, I'm a dead man walking. I've been filled with the spirit. My heart has been sprinkled with the blood and my soul is sealed. Amen. And I've been promised eternal redemption. All I have to do is he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. We're going to close this Bible study. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've been encouraged. Because God has made it plain how much he loves us and where we're headed and what he's going to do. Say, I hath not seen nor ear heard what God hath got in store for them. We can talk about it, but we can't really, really imagine what it will be like to be covered with the glory of God, to have a glorified body that's not subject to pain, that's not subject to, to, to sorrow. As Revelation 21 verse 4 says, and God shall do what? Wipe away all tears. Sister Deborah, no more tears. Any of you in here been crying, no more tears. And the Bible says, now is our redemption closer than when we first began. I don't know how close it is, but I think it's pretty close. Pretty close. (laughs) Probably scary close. I'm looking for something to happen soon, and I'll tell you when it happens. Anyway, we're going to close tonight, but be encouraged. We are dead men. Satan cannot make an accusation that can stick. Not if you are walking in the Spirit. Right? And all that is is to meditate upon God. Fill your mind with God all the time as much as you can. Just be praising Him if you can't think of nothing else. Just thank Him for His goodness and His glory. When you do that, He has no space. No space. And to them gave He power to become the sons of God. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Let it be mighty, O God, in our soil. Let it encourage us. Let us look for your soon coming. Let us be witnesses, O God. Help us to endure to the end. Lord God, harden us like good soldiers. All the trials and tribulations and temptations. Let's be looking forward to your soon coming. Lord, we ask for your blessing on everyone that's here tonight. Those who have to travel, Lord God, we ask for your covering for them, Lord, and for your blessing. We lift up your name and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering tonight.